Hi, this is Mike Koenigs, and to my right is my friend Roger Love. You may know him as the man who's coached actors, including Reese Witherspoon, Bradley Cooper, Joaquin Phoenix, Jeff Bridges, Colin Farrell, Kira Knightley, Angelina Jolie, many, many more. You got to see everyone that he's helped, but more importantly, he has some great strategies, some great ideas that'll help you find your voice and share your voice more effectively. Roger, what can we expect out of this episode? You can expect to start to learn what sounds are working for you and what sounds are not working for you. Most people have their voice at the very bottom end of pretty much close to the trash bag. They're not even thinking about it. But we all need to start to think about voice, what sounds we make so that we can have the greatest conversations, so that we can move people emotionally, and so that we can showcase the very best of who we are in every business or every personal conversation and situation. All right. And there's one more thing that's going to happen. Roger diagnoses me and helps me become a better speaker step-by-step. You get to follow along. You're going to witness and experience Roger's genius, all that and more in this episode of Capability Amplifier. I can't wait. Hi, Roger Love. How are you doing, my friend? Nice to see you again, Mike. All right. So as we got going here, I totally blew the intro I thought I was going to do. And instead of doing that, I think it'll be more fun with you. Um, You and I met a little over 10 years ago, I believe. I was blown away with your remarkable skills and talent as a vocal coach, but you're a lot more than that. So before we talk about all the famous people you've worked with, why don't you share your business and life philosophy? What is it that you have set out to do? I believe that life doesn't exist without communication. And so what I've spent my life doing is helping people figure out what specific sounds they should be making, what sounds should come out of their mouths so that they can have the communications that create the relationships and the influence and the happiness that lead to them having a better life. So I spent about 17 years just teaching singers what sounds they should make so that they could influence millions of people to buy more records and buy more concert tickets and, and get up on the, in the, on the seat and jump up and down and go, woo, woo, woo. And that's what they wanted. And then speakers started coming to me like Tony Robbins and John Gray and Susie Orman, and they wanted me to work on their speaking voices. And in the beginning, I turned them all away saying, I am a singing coach, just trying to be a great singing coach. But they kept coming back to me and I eventually took them as students. And I realized through that process that speaking and singing are almost exactly the same things. And the sounds that I was helping all of these famous singers that I was working with be able to create, I could teach my speakers how to do the same thing, and then they could in turn have the same influence over one person or millions of people. And so I exist today as a voice coach who basically started his career saying I wanted to give people great voices. And nowadays I say I use voice to help make great people. That's beautiful. So I'm going to do something that I've always wanted to do with you. And that is, I'm going to have you work with me today. And as I told you, as we got ready, I've got a few things I'm going to reveal today. I haven't really shared with anyone before that definitely is going to trigger some emotions, but I want to do something where I'd inspire our audience, our viewers, our listeners to want the same. And, uh, and learn more about you and the remarkable skills you have. So, um, you know, you've worked with so many folks, again, everything from uh, comedians and entertainers and singers and speakers, but also ordinary folks, business people who want to take advantage of what I think is the most important physical tool we have, which is our voice. And it is really, you know, looking into our eyes, maybe a way of seeing inside the soul. But when you can experience the soul and feel the soul through the voice, um, 
I think, uh, you know, you know so much, you learn so much, you feel so much from a great speaker and a great communicator. And, and I, I want to be a better everything. And, and I haven't ever done anything in terms of uh, real uh, voice training other than I've gone through bits of your course and I, one of your courses. And I hate to admit I'm a bad course taker. I'm more of an immersive learner. So that's why I wanted to do this is I thought, well, I'm going to learn the way I learn uh, with you. And, and so with that, do you have anything you want to add before I just dive in? I start asking you some specific questions and learn more about how you think, because that's a huge part of what Capability Amplifier is all about is thinking about our thinking and learning how to think and being able to take on some of your genius and, and experience Roger's genius. Oh, thank you. I, I can't wait to go on this next part of our little journey together, vocal journey. What you said, I want to touch on that. They used to believe that the eyes were the windows to the soul. And they also used to believe that that words told the truth or that physicality told the truth. And but now we know and science has has proven that though we might be good people, we've learned to lie with our words. So I could be in a horrible mood and I could say to you, Mike, today's the greatest day of my life. But I would be lying. I wouldn't be truthful. So we've learned to lie with words. And we've also learned to lie with facial expressions and movement. So again, today could be a horrible day, but I put a big smile on my face and I say, today is amazing. But my facial Become expressions- the queen of England. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the queen of England called me and I am in the royal family after all. So we've learned to lie with our facial expressions. We've learned to lie with our words. So the actual only way to know what somebody- to, to have a truthful, authentic communication with someone is to use the voice because the sounds of the voice do not lie. The voice is the new windows to the soul because when you're sad, you can hear it in someone's voice. When you're happy, you can hear it in someone's voice. And we've become a world of people that are obsessed with words, thinking that if I had the right words to say to you, I could make this relationship. I could close this business deal. I could get that funding that I want. We could be partners. But the words by themselves have no emotion at all attached. It's only when we attach sounds to it that we really know how people feel. If I say, Mike, you really need to meet my brother. He's so smart. You should start a company with him. Your brain says, what? You have a brother? Who cares? Why would I want to meet him? But if I say, Mike, you have to meet my brother. He's got this amazing idea. And you and he and you should start, you should both start a company together. You're like, okay, I'm free next Tuesday. Maybe I'll meet with your brother. So it's the sounds we make. So I spend my life right now taking people away from word to word communication and putting them in emotion to emotion communication. That's the way the brain works. That's the way the heart works. That's the reason people remember how you make them feel. And they take action upon the way that you made them feel. Great job. Great job. I love that. Um, it just goes to show how powerful enthusiasm is and being able to create it, but also making it authentic. So you and I could go so far down so many rabbit holes. I'm going to get into uh, what I had planned. So when I imagined us speaking together, um, I have a couple categories, and we're going to hit the first one for which is one's going to be diagnosis, the second's going to be healing, another one's going to be fear, and then something I call celebrity. Okay, so four areas uh, that'll keep everyone listening here. So here's the first one: totally selfish question, which is, Roger, will you diagnose my voice? I think you've seen me um speak before years ago as a presenter speaker. But I see in my roles as a presenter, speaker, influencer. So that might be one. Another one is a husband. And deep inside, I'm a frustrated entertainer and comic. Okay. So I love comedy. I've done a little bit of improv. Um, I made a feature film because I wanted to make movies. Um, and I built my studios and have done studio work for 20 years because you know, I didn't have an education. I'm just a poor kid from Minnesota and I had to figure out and do it myself. So I, I wanted to start and create a game that I could win at. So everything I've done has been self-taught, immersive, and basically modeling someone else. But I'd like to know, 
based on your impression of who I am, if you're just being totally like first impression and you're talking behind my back, but you turn on your Roger Love genius, how, can you diagnose my voice, how effective it is and how I could make it better, more effective, more congruent, more believable? What's missing? What works? What doesn't? Super curious. Can you do that? Of course. My pleasure. First all right. of all, I, I, everything I offer is with love. Okay. So my, I can remember that I opened up a studio in New York about 26 years ago. And the way I got business was I advertised in the paper, come to a free seminar. Here are the people I've taught. You know these names. I'm opening up a studio in New York. Come and see me. So each workshop, I did three of them. I had set up three and I had about 400 or 500 people come to the workshop. My wife, who had never seen me do transformations, came to that first workshop. And we were sort of newly married. And, uh, and, and the workshop was amazing. By the end of the first workshop, I had already filled up my schedule for the next six months of lessons. And I was 10 times more expensive than any other voice coach in New York at the time. And so I'm thinking, man, I killed it. I, I am the king of all voice. And my wife, my new wife is going to come to me and she's going to kiss me so hard and she's going to be like you're amazing and she comes up to me and she says roger you're the meanest person i've ever met and i said what do you mean she goes you're so mean to those people you told them all the things that were wrong with their voices and i said no i fixed all the things that were wrong with their voices and i was honest with them when i told them and she was like ah maybe you're still mean but she didn't get it the first time yeah. So, yeah, so they're uh, paying you to get fixed. You know, they, that. Yeah. No, yeah. you don't. They're you coachable. go to it. You go to a doctor, and the doctor says, "Here's what you need to do to fix it." And you either go to another doctor or you believe that doctor. So I'm that guy. Anyways, over the years, I have learned to say all criticism with total love, so I so people don't cry anymore when I tell them what's wrong. First of all, I'm going to start I'm with good the good about things. being made to cry. I'm fine with that. Yeah, you're going right. to you're going you're going to cry based on how much I like your voice, and I'm not going to play kiss ass because I'm going to tell you the truth. Oh. Okay, but when I listen to your voice, you are very good at showcasing authentic. You are you everything you say. There's no there's no layer. You're not walking around with uh, with your heart on your sleeve, but an overcoat and then an overcoat and then an overcoat and then another overcoat on top. You speak like your heart's on your sleeve. This is what I think. So this is what I'm going to say. You know, my wife, again, uh, two stories on my wife. She said to me, I know what you're really thinking. And I said, honey, I'm not smart enough to think of one thing and say something else. I wish I was. So you're, you're the same as me. You're not smart enough to think about something else and say something different. You say what you think. So you come across as very authentic, very believable, not fake at all. Also, you're amazing and not using fillers. You don't say, um, uh, like. You're not even doing the new fillers. And... So, so you are filler free. And I think that fillers are destroying the English language, language as we know it, because I, I can't even watch reality TV anymore. Like, 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 like I was watching the, the bachelor, not to single that out last night with my daughter and uh, right. every other word that everyone said, male or female was like, 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 I was, I didn't know. Was it, was I watching a show or was I like watching a show? Oh, you don't I, use I one, one. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's good. I, I'm going to make a note to bring up one thing on that topic. Keep going though. Thank you. Okay. You, you don't use fillers. You seem very authentic. You're a tenor, which is a high, a higher male voice born that way. I'm a tenor. So that's why I grew up singing high songs. And, and if you did any singing, you, you, you have a higher voice. You don't sound like James Earl Jones when you speak. You sound like, hi, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a tenor. I talk up here, which all, is also an exciting part of the voice. Because what are the most famous singers in the world? Generally tenors. People paid to go see the three tenors in concert. They didn't go to see the three basses in concert. So you're a tenor, which, is a, which means that you, you have a lot of high in your range. You've created a character that works very much and a sound that works very much for your persona on the radio. But here's where I want to go. There's other ranges that you don't go. You kind of stay up here all the time around the same notes. 
So then you're talking about this and you're talking about Roger and you're talking about Mike and you're talking about all these things and talking about Dan and it's great. And it all sort of hovers around one pitch area, but you never come down here. Like, well, well, what do you mean by that, Roger? You never come down low and you never say like, oh, that's amazing. You never go higher. You're like, I didn't know that. That's amazing. So you, your center, all of the voice sounds that you make in one sort of area on the piano around one little note area. And I want you to, and so what happens is, even though it's great, and that's a great character that you've created, it becomes, once people hear the same notes or the same sounds after about eight seconds, they think they know what you're going to sound like next. And when they think they know what you're going to sound like next, they think they know what you're going to say next. And then you've lost their attention. Because they think they're smarter than you because they know what you're going to say next. All based on keeping the sound in the same way. What I'd like you to do is to find places when you're talking that you can go higher than you normally speak and lower than you normally speak. Because I want to catch your listeners off guard. If you listen to my voice, I'll be here and I'll be all strong. And then I'll get really airy. And, I, and sometimes I'll go down low. Oh, really? And sometimes I'll be like up high like this. I do that on purpose. Not only does it go exactly with my emotion and with the content that I'm creating as I move from sentence to sentence, but it keeps people entertained. You're funny. You, you love comedy. This is, this is one of the great things that you can do. You can entertain people by surprising them more. So let's talk about this. You're going to talk about what you had for your last favorite meal, whether it was a lunch or a dinner or a breakfast. You're talking about something that you, some, your favorite thing to eat and why you love it. Okay. So start. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about one of my favorite meals in the world, Roger. It's something that my wife and I go to. It's called Crab Hut. And I'll tell you what I love about Crab Hut. First of all, it's in a very Asian-y part of town, so it's very eclectic. And Vivian and I pull in and order. First of all, we have a couple of Mai Tais. Always nice to have a couple of good adult beverages to get things started. And the meal comes out. First of all, it's Louisiana style. They take newspaper and a big bucket filled with crawdads, crab, Mussels, clams, shrimp, king crab, and snow crab all together. And stop right there. You just stop right there. Yeah. Stop right there. Okay. Now you purposely tried to add some lows. I did. You, I tried to do that. I'm, try, I'm trying to, to think about yeah. it. Yeah. But, but those I'm lows effective at it. I can feel that. Yeah. But those lows didn't go with the changes in the emotion for each thing. So now let me uh, take you through it. Let me take you through great. it. Great. I want to start as we're going to start like this. I want you to start happy. I'm so, I love eating one particular food and my wife, Vivian, and I love going there. So start happy. Go ahead. Say that. All right. I love one particular kind of food and no, I don't got to get You're not excited food. enough. No, you're not excited enough. I love All right. going to get one particular food. That's not excited. I love going to get one particular thing that Vivian and I love. More emotion. Roger. All right. Roger, I love going one going and getting one particular kind of food. It is in my favorite part of town. It's oh, no, right. no, no, change. I'm gonna change you. Okay, so yeah. so not don't get louder just because you're happy. I okay, love just okay. I'm just happier. I, I love, love going right. to get one particular type of food. Okay. Now, now I want to change the emotion. The problem is it's in one you gotta drive so okay. far. So the next so the first emotion is happy. Right. Then the next emotion I want you to be like, it's kind of a pain in the butt to drive all that way to get it. So I want you to go, I Roger, I love Vivian and I love getting this one particular food, then change. But it's all right. It's all the Roger. way across town. Ah, oh, okay. okay. Roger, I love my wife and I love one particular kind of food. Now, there's one problem, and that is we have to go all the way to the other side of town to get it. Okay. You didn't buy it. Well, the first one, the first one, don't be so animated. Just, ha right. just, ha you're already happy. Okay. So people that are happy all don't right. have to dial up happy times 10. Okay. Roger, there's one kind of food that I really, really love. 
change. The problem is I got to drive, we got to drive two hours through traffic to get there. That's a pain. Do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Roger, Vivian and I have one particular kind of food that we absolutely love. Now, the problem is we got to drive all the way across town to get it. Okay, amazing. Now, that was a legitimate change because what Mm -hmm. happens is the greatest speakers are the ones that move their listeners through multiple emotions during a conversation because people don't remember what you say, but they remember when their feelings changed. They remember like, oh, I feel just felt something different. Now I'm interested more. Oh, I just felt something different. So I call it emotional mapping. And it's this idea of being really specific as to what emotion would go with all the different parts of whatever story you're telling. If it's the story of lunch, if it's the story of a business deal, whatever it is, it's about looking at it in the form of like, well, this part is happy, so I should make happy sounds. And this part is more of a pain in the axe, a pain in the behind because I got to go through traffic. And then, and then, Uh. and then the sense, and then wonder, and then... And then after you finally get there, we sit down at the seat, happy again, our favorite table, and then want the emotion of wonder. And then the food comes, crab, lobster, shrimp, not just any shrimp, amazing shrimp. And we are eating it and we are loving it. Not thinking about the way back in the drive. I'm not thinking about that. You're just moving in and out of different emotions. So then that's why, that's why we have different ranges in the voice. When you're talking about something beautiful, go higher. Say, that's amazing. That, that, that flower was so beautiful. That flower was so beautiful. Say that. That's amazing. And that, go plant. That's amazing. Just that not amazing. That flower was so beautiful. Okay. That's amazing. That's amazing. That flower was so beautiful. That flower was so beautiful. So when you go up to that, even for a, a one syllable. So beautiful. All right. It, it makes me think, oh, he's so, he's so kind and empathetic and he understands beauty. As opposed to if you told the story, that flower is amazing and, and, yeah. and, and that food's incredible. And, that, and the, the mustache on that, uh, on that dog is weird. But, but if it's like, that's amazing. And then do this for me. Say. I, I'm, I am an excited guy, and I'm very happy to be there. But, but I don't really ever go down low in the range. Mm. Say that for me. I'm an, excited, I'm an excitable guy. I got a lot of great things to say. I'm an excitable guy. I've got a lot of great things to say. But I never really spent it. I'm an excitable any- guy. Oh, no. I, okay, now, but. So but I, I, never really spend any time, I never really spend any time on the, on the first level of my voice. I don't spend enough time on the first level of my That's voice. still high and you just got airy. What right. happens when mm. you go down lower? What's, what's down, down here? here. Yeah. What's down here? Um, you, if I you know what down here. That's right. Yeah. When I was younger and I watched Star Wars. When I was younger. And I yeah, heard, when I was and younger I heard, and I watched Star Wars. And I heard James Earl Jones speak. <clears throat> when I was younger and I watched Star Wars. And when you told me that, I was actually thinking star trek and i thought you were about to say james t kirk and i thought about hot green chicks in polyester okay so now what what so now what so what if i was talking about something that was really fun and exciting and magical and then i went down here to talk about something that was a little more serious Mm. say that what if i was talking about okay something uh really magical is uh i have put together something i call my 21st uh it's my 10th annual predictions masterclass where i talk about artificial intelligence and stuff i am super super excited about now tell me um, what happens if the world no, doesn't don't. if the, if now tell me what happens if if artificial intelligence really turns out to be all bad and go down lower. all bad all right well if artificial intelligence here's what i'm worried about out, all right here's what i'm worried about if Artificial intelligence if, if art, if art, goes bad. If artificial intelligence goes bad, there's a chance that not only could it eliminate a lot of jobs, 
But just because there's a lot of selfish businesses, they're going to lay off people and not find a place to put them. So it's the displacement that it scares me. And now be happy again. But I know that's not going to happen to us because I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. All right. I, I know that's not going to happen because one of the things that AI allows us to do is actually be more creative with it. So I think it's actually a superpower and an accelerator and an enhancer for who we are. Great. Now, this is just a hint, but the idea is you have to use all the different parts of your instrument. So when it gets more serious and you want to close the deal and you want people to understand that you're more serious about this, come down a little bit lower. When you're in your normal mm. place, you're talking about all the things that are more lighthearted, go up in the normal range of your voice. And then when and when and sometimes add some just just a few syllables up here so that we get that you're really caring. OK, here's another thing that I want to work mm -hmm. on your voice. You smile a lot. So that's good. You have a nice smile. People like listening to pe people like watching people that smile. They don't actually like right. listening to people who smile because when you smile, anyone. What happens is the corners of the mouth your face and you do this. Yeah. The corners of the mouth go more wide and you end up sounding a little more nasal. So watch this. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two. Uh, but if I go this way, I sound a little bit more nasal because the sound tries to get out and it's blocked by the teeth, and then it looks for another way out, which is through the nose. All right. So sometimes you get a little nasal when you talk because you're smiling. And instead of this, I want you to drop your jaw more. Okay. If I drop my drop, jaw more. I'll drop my jaw more. And that'll get rid of my jaw more. And that gets rid of any unwanted nasality sounds. Okay. You understand? Yeah, I'm taking notes. So you, you're good. like, uh, yeah, I'm taking notes. Watch this. I'm taking notes. I am. Now, I'm a white guy. I'm sitting here taking notes. Not that bad. Yeah, exactly. Hi. But I'm taking notes. And then watch. Here's the difference. I'm going to go from this mouth position. I'm just sitting here taking notes. I'm just sitting here taking notes. A warmer sound. More bass in it. Right. So say it your two ways. I, I'm, just, I'm just sitting here taking notes. I'm just sitting here taking notes. And then corners of the mouth in. I'm just sitting here taking notes. More bassy. I'm just sitting here taking notes, Roger. And then it's not nasal. So smiling is great. Smile when other people are talking to you and they're, and they're speaking and you're like this. Yeah. They like that. <laughs> but you don't have to smile all the time you're speaking because, like I said, the sound competes with the teeth and then the sound becomes more nasal. No doubt about it. I, I overcompensate because I've produced so much content, so many videos and done media training with so many people that I'm teaching them to smile all the time because they don't do it. And I, I definitely have just, you know, I've learned not to stick in filler words because I'm like you. I listen, listen. And it's like, oh, my God, y'all sound like Cardi B. <laughs> so now Kardashians, now, worst thing ever to happen to the human race. Keep I'll going, please. Pretend you're Yogi Bear and that you have to add a little bit more bass into everything that you sound. You don't have, so you're going to add just a little bit of this Yogi Bear sound when you talk about okay. your media training. Tell me more, a little bit more about your media training, Yogi. Hey, boo boo. Let me tell you a little bit more about my uh, my media training. Uh, so one of these days we were out. Uh, now, 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 now that's the sound. That's the sound I want. But okay. don't don't sound. Yeah. But don't not like Yogi. Now say the words the way you normally say them with that tone. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> so hard. Um, well, I'm, I'm sort of talking so, the way Mike talks now, but now I have a little bit of time to bit of Yogi in. Okay. So one of the nice things about media training is we teach people how to smile and also not use filler words and look at the camera and learn what they are expressing through their facial expressions and their voice. Now, but did you I definitely, yeah. Did you notice that that didn't mm -hmm. have any nasality? It, uh, I got it. No boo-boo. I mean, thank you, Yogi. I'll so, think Yogi. I'm going to make it. Yeah. So all I, all I needed was a little bit of that low, I call it low larynx sound. Where Look at my Adam's apple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It goes down. You, you've gotten used to talking with your Adam's apple high, so your throat's closed. If I lower my Adam's apple, the back part of my throat opens. And you just, mm. you don't have to always sound like that, but it's, an, it's a warm, Ooh. rich sound for your voice that you should use instead of 
always being the default here. You're the, you're the magician instigator, but I also want you to be the lover. I want you to, I want you to sound mm-hmm. rich. Does that make any sense? It does. I have, I have a little vocal exercise I just invented. One of them is high range, wieners, and lower range, bratwursts. Wieners <laughs> and bratwursts. See, I'm moving my Adam's apple. You could use that with uh, your next celebrity. I Keep will. Roger. All right. So I had to throw the, uh, in a dick joke. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Keep going, my friend. So, so also, how is the breathing happening when you speak? Because I, you're supposed to only speak while your stomach is coming in. So is that right. happening with you or are you sort of holding your breath and your stomach stationary? Um. So quick background. I play the didgeridoo. I know how to circular breathe and I played tuba for many years. Amazing. And I don't pay attention to it and I'm probably bad at it. And because I sit on my butt all day, I do not have a standing desk. So I'm guessing that I unconsciously am in a looping pattern that is not effective. And I really want to get better at it. So what do I do to get better, Roger? What do tummy. I do to get better? Put your hand on your tummy. Take a breath into your in, take a breath into your nose and let your stomach come mm-hmm. forward. And then let your stomach fall back in and say these words. Say, Roger only wants me to speak while my stomach is coming in. Roger only wants me to speak while my stomach is coming in. Yeah, but you, you took a long time to get a little of that yogi, right? You said, Roger only want Roger only, open up the back part of your throat already. Roger only wants me to speak only while wants. my stomach is coming in. Roger only wants me to speak while my tummy's coming in. Say it again. Boo-boo. Roger only wants me to speak while my tummy's coming in. And everybody needs to realize that that's the only time you're allowed to speak is while your stomach is coming in. Look at the difference. I'm going to start counting to 10. I'm going to hold my breath. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now I'm going to let my stomach come in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And now I'm going to hold my breath again. One, two, three, four, five. That's a more of a harsh sound, right? That's yeah, me holding my breath. But if I let my stomach come in, it sends more mm. air out like an accordion coming back <clears throat> to the sides of an accordion coming back together. So you need to let your stomach come back in to send the right amount of air to make your voice rich and resonant and tone filled. Mm. I get mm. what you mean, Roger, letting my stomach come in while I'm speaking. I get what you mean, Roger, when I allow my stomach to come in while I'm speaking. Now I'm not holding my breath at all. Now I'm not holding my breath at all. I'm relaxing while I'm speaking. It's a lot easier while I do this. Yeah, it's hard to speak for hours and hours and hours and hold your breath because your your brain thinks, what? Are you a pearl diver? You're underwater and you can only come up when you get the pearl and come back up and sell it to a tourist? No. There's supposed to be air coming in all the time and air coming out the whole time as well. It's, uh, ah, uh, thank you for helping me relax my voice. Right, I mean, out of all the things right now, that's the one I feel the most is just remembering to relax and, uh, and it's centering my head while I'm doing it. Also that's really powerful. Thank you. That was beautiful. Also, stop thinking that you're getting paid by the word. Your sentences are too long. Most people speak and they run out of air in the middle of a sentence because their sentences are too long. And like I said, I'm getting paid by the word, so I probably shouldn't stop now. And then all of a sudden, I'm like holding my breath and dying and my throat closes. But you need to what I call speak in sound bites. The distance between the beginning of a sentence and when you take a comma is supposed to be a sound bite. It isn't supposed to be long. You can have as many commas as you want. And if the phrases are shorter, with more commas in between, then you have plenty of air all the way through. Instead of trying to connect all these sentences together where you go from one subject to the next subject, and I really like yellow, and I really like green, and I really like champagne color, and then people don't remember what was the first color you said. So you say, I really like red, comma. I really am into yellow now, comma. And lately, I like green. And they have a second at the comma to think about 
the color, what you just said, to feel something about it. You, your sentences are too long because you know you're the host. And there's a lot of responsibility on you to keep things going. No, speak in sound bites. As long as you have the right sound bites, you're not going to lose anybody. Because when you get to a comma, they know you're not done. And they'll wait for you. So it's not the amount of words. It's the right phrasing sound bites. Great. But I mean, those that are, was, that was super helpful. Thank you. I love it. You still sometimes need to use high notes. You still, you still have to throw every so often, every so often I'm going to throw in a high note. Yeah. Like Mr. Winky. Hi, Mr. Winky. Yeah, I'll do that. I got her. Uh, and I, it's, I have to just, uh, process. And the good news is I have a big, <clears throat> webinar I'm doing tomorrow and I'm going to put some stickies on my screen to remind me to oscillate without it being a comic s- strip, you know, obviously. Um, so this is incredibly valuable. So are you ready for the next check that? I just want to, yeah, I am ready. So tomorrow I have a big webinar. So I'm going to put a bunch of stickies on my thing to remind me of that. I'm supposed to do this and then remember this. And so when I'm doing it, it's going to be a lot more better. And, now, you said tomorrow I have a big webinar, so I'm going to put a bunch of stickies on the computer mm-hmm. where I normally look, comma. Those stickies are going to remind me to add a little low lyrics to my voice. I'm going to have a sticky that just says, every so often, go down lower. I'm going to have another sticky that says, every so often, go a little higher. See the difference? You took, yes. that way you could think about every part of my sentence and hear it and feel it and process it. As opposed to me trying to remember what all the stickies were for or what Roger said or what you were doing tomorrow. All this in the same sentence. It, it is an unconscious bad habit, which is, up, oh, get it done so you can move on to the next thing. It's such, such uh, Hold on, efficiency. hold on. It's an unconscious yeah. bad habit, comma. It's about sort of get it done so you can move on to the next thing, comma. You see what I mean? I do. Okay, now let's move on to the next thing. Next thing. Healing. Now, 20 years ago, I was at a Tony Robbins event, jumping up and down, and I was screaming. And I, for years, I could scream just like, I mean, scream like a little girl. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs because that's what you do at a Tony Robbins event. And I had a distinct, something happened. And ever since then, first of all, I know when I speak, like I often have like a sore throat. It just, I feel sore. So I know I constrict. I also, <clears throat> when I try to sing, I, uh, it's hard for me to sing range and I sniff frequently. And also I clear my throat all the time. Like <clears throat> there's always some sort of phlegm in there. And I, I know I snore also. So, um, and, you know, I can go months without having any alcohol, uh, no sugar. I don't eat inflammatory foods. And the question is, how do I heal my voice and get rid of the constriction? And I could add one, one more little thing, if I may. Hmm. Um, I did a, uh, a deep plant medicine journey this last summer. Uh, And when I came out of the world of being nothing back into this, I was screaming, but it was a full throat, full body, full soul scream. So I know it's in me. So my conscious constriction is an emotional block. I know that. I just don't know what it is. I gotcha. Okay, I love it. Thank you for being honest. The first thing you need to know is you didn't damage yourself that day at the Tony Robbins event, and you're not suffering because you, you broke something in your throat screaming. That was then, and this is that now. And there's no possible way there's, there's any negative side effects from that, other than you remember that, and you remember feeling hoarse for a long time. Okay. Yes. I mean, look, yeah. uh, one of the groups that I <laughs> coach over the years is the Jonas Brothers. 
And I would, yeah. I would be in the audience of the Jonas Brothers concert after I warmed them up and got them all set. And I'd go in the audience and I'd, I'd watch the girls scream so loud. I kept waiting for vocal cords to just fly out on a bed of blood. And I, and, and I'd, I, I had 911 ready to, to dial <laughs> to, to emergency. I knew someone's vocal cords were going to pop out of their mouths because they were screaming. So believe me, I've heard screaming with some of the groups that I have. And you, 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 there's no amount of uh, decibels you can even imagine and frequency level of an 11 or 12-year-old screaming at a Jonas Brothers concert in the heyday of the Jonas Brothers or at a Hanson right. concert when they're singing Mbop in the heyday of And there's eight and nine-year-old girls screaming at the top of their lungs. You've never heard anything like that. You didn't do any damage. Second of all, though, though that's, their emotions build up over the years. So, so you literally, what, whatever caused this constriction and the mental part of it, that's, that's the past. My job really is to just show you how to change right this second so that you don't do that anymore. People come to me all the time and they're like, I'm shy. I don't have, I'm an introvert and I don't have any self-confidence. And I say, okay, we have two roads to take now. You could go to therapy. For the next years, and you could work on all those issues, or you could let, just let me change the way you sound. And when I and I make you sound confident and strong and extroverted when you want to sound like that, then people will react to you differently. And soon you'll be like, wow, I have an extroverted side. I have more self-confidence than I thought. So you can sound your way into changing your emotional states. So really simple. I, t- I touched on it already when I had you do that Yogi Bear thing. The Adam's apple has sort of like one job, one main job. When you swallow, go ahead, swallow. It goes up, right? Mm-hmm. So the Adam's apple comes up and everything with it helps to close the air hole so that when you eat or drink something, it doesn't go down the air hole to choke you. Okay. Right. So if the Adam's apple comes up and sits on top of the air hole, your throat is closed. Your Adam, you've, from whatever, whatever caused it, your Adam's apple sits a little bit high in your throat. So as the mm-hmm. Adam's apple goes up, your brain thinks Mike's about to swallow. So I have to close the air hole to protect him. So you're partially blocking the air hole. And then you're using your strength to try to push more sound out. Because the air hole is obstructed. I literally have to get your Adam's apple to just sit, stay down lower so that your throat's open, so that, so that the back part of your throat is super open, so that all the sound in the, whether you're screaming or laughing or speaking, that your throat's open. This is your little gateway. It's the Adam's apple. People create tension in their body that blocks the sound in two places, one here and one right here. People lock with their stu- the top part of their stomach, right? Right as the rib cage comes together in the sternum area. They create a lot of tension right there. And they're always forever trying to relax this area. When you breathe the way I told you to do, stomach coming back in without any pressure, there is no tension mm-hmm. in the area. The oh, two yeah. main blocks are right here for sound and right here at the Adam's apple. So we fix the first one by you getting better at making sure your stomach just like a balloon deflating, the sides of the balloon just come in without any tension. You, not, you don't have to pull mm-hmm. your stomach in. You don't have to keep your stomach tight. This isn't how you make a, a six-pack. The way you have a six-pack voice is letting your stomach come in without any pressure, and that, that relieves this tension. The other thing is you literally have to start paying attention to where is your Adam's apple. And the Adam's apple moves with the tongue. As I move my tongue down, not out, as I move my tongue down, mm-hmm. my Adam's apple comes down. You have learned to speak with your Adam's apple up. Speaking with adding right. a little bit, adding, look at me. Here I am with my Adam's apple up, and then I add a little Yogi Bear, and my Adam's apple comes down. Mm. I need to train nice you okay. to open up the back part of your throat. So with more air coming through, and more open throat because your Adam's apple's out of the way, you're not going to feel the same restriction. Yeah. 
Because also, it, it's all like a circle. Everything we fix in the circle fixes something else. You know how I said you talk in too long of sentences? Yes. Well, so your brain knows that you have all these words coming. So it's holding breath back. Mm-hmm. Your stomach is tighter because you know you have all these words and the brain knows you're not going to stop. So it's trying to restrict the air to have more air to get to the last syllable. But if you speak in shorter phrases, like we talked about, sound bites, and if the stomach is coming in and the Adam's apple's down a little bit, the brain says, we are free. Plant-based, non-plant-based adventure. We're ready to take the next adventure of just open throat, letting all the sound come out. So Mm -hmm. it's not complicated, even though I hope hope I'm not making it sound complicated. As simple as it is, as simple as it it is, you have to. Stop holding your breath when you're speaking. You have to add a little bit of Yogi Bear and the, and the larynx just goes down all by itself and you get used to it. And then, and then your throat will open and you'll be, you'll be amazing and, shor- and speak in shorter phrases. Right. One word per sentence. <laughs> Oops, that was too many. Okay. <laughs> that was great. You would I not love believe how much I'm preventing myself from speaking too much right now. Remember that here's the thing. People think that speaking mm-hmm. is, a, is an oral connection, that, that, that you hear me and then we're connected. It's not mm-hmm. that. Speaking is a physical connection. Sound in the form of sound waves, invisible sound waves, come out riding on a bed of air. And they're supposed to go far enough away from your mouth that they vibrate the bodies of the people that hear you. Have you ever walked in front of a speaker at a rock concert? And you're like, mm-hmm. I've almost been pushed over being on stage and there's giant stacks of marshals and the guitar players playing. And I walk by or the bass players going. And you walk past the speaker and you, it almost pushes you over because sound is a physical thing as well. So when you restrict the air, thinking that all you got to get is from here to the microphone, or when you're in a room with people thinking that they just have to hear you, you're wrong. They have to feel you. The air has to come out of your mouth and the sound attached, and it has to vibrate their bodies. And it's those kind of connections that make great conversations and, 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 and relationships. It's a, speaking is a physical thing, but we've lost that art because we hold our breaths and we whisper too much. We're not speaking loud enough, we're not sending enough air through, and we're not vibrating enough bodies, and therefore actually physically connecting with people. Right. And especially now in the land of the Zoom, right, where we've got tiny little microphones, teeny little speakers, and um, we could go down another rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. Bottom line is that uh, I often say that the internet stole our voices. We got used to emailing and we didn't have to make sound. We got used to texting mm-hmm. and we didn't have to make sound. And then boom, all of a sudden COVID hits. And those people that weren't really used to communicating visually suddenly had to do business that way. But they were still thinking old school. They're thinking about here's my phone. I only have to get my voice from here to here. Here's my mic. I only have to get my voice from here to this mic. And which is right. only which is really close. So they're they're not thinking distance, right? I'm I'm saying when I speak, even on video, I'm sending my voice out as if I was talking to somebody eight feet away. I'm filling the room with Roger, and some of it's going into the microphone. When I'm speaking on the phone, I hold the receiver further away and I speak into the room. As if I was talking to somebody eight feet away. That's how to create great sound. So we, so this, the Zoom is the perfect opportunity in all of these video conferencing systems. It's the perfect opportunity to, to not just get your voice from here to here, but get your voice from here to there, to all mm-hmm. those people that are listening to you and try to, even on a video, create like a physical connection because you're sending sound further away from you. And, and they're feeling it. They're certainly hearing it. That was great. Um, so I have one more, and I'm just going to repeat what I heard. Adam's apple down, practice Yogi Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, shorter sentences, shorter phrases, more mm-hmm. commas. Stomach Only speaking in. while your stomach's coming in, yep. 
That's right. And, you know, which is the opposite of, you know, stop holding breath while I speak. In other words, mm-hmm. I've let it all out. out. You're going to take another my, breath at the comma. My interpretation is I need to be more conscious with my delivery because I, when I'm the worst at this, it's because I'm already ahead of my mouth. In other words, I got a buffer system that's just emptying out a bunch of registers or a stack. And I'm thinking about the next thing, you know, it's, that's, it's a modality. Plus I used to do 10 hour online shows and the story I had in my head is I got to keep them going. I got to keep them engaged. I got to keep on talking. You know, it's just, I'm an infomercial guy. That's the role. And I didn't get out of it. Yeah. But the new rule is it's not about speaking from word to word. It's about speaking from emotion to emotion. What emotion can you show with your voice? And then can you change that emotion so that there's another emotion for them to feel? And then can you change that emotion? And then there's another emotion. And all of those emotions have different sounds. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. One more big idea here. Okay. Um, so here's the backstory. My dad, who's still alive, but not conscious any longer. He's, he's in his, there's a body left, no uh, body, but he's a great guitarist, great singer, great dancer, joke teller life of the the party i get emotional thinking about it and um and i grew up in a musical family but i and i played a lot of instruments but i was always backup so like when i grew up dad said you're gonna play bass guitar and i'm like i want to play guitar i want to play drums he's like you're gonna play bass guitar that's what we got you know it was that kind of thing so i played the goddamn bass guitar well around five years old my dad comes in it's kindergarten and all the little kids are sprinkled around and I'm singing with my dad. Cause that's what we did. You know, just grew up in this family of happy singing kids. And I don't know what happened, but someone must've made fun of me and boom, I just, that, that blocks them. I didn't sing for until I was probably 18 years old. I'm a little bit in the car or whatever. And, um, and, and because of that, I know, you know, the moment where you hit and reach a level of mastery in your life when you nail it. And it's like that rush you get. Um, like I've got, I hate to admit, I got, I have 10 guitars. I've got a perfect American made Gibson Les Paul sunburst, you know, wow. that I won in a contest and I can hack like I'm I accompany cause I played a company musician, uh, uh, instruments my whole life. Never lead though. You know, my moment of getting in front of the mic, I forgot the words. So I ended up playing drum and bass and, uh, you know, background instruments my whole life. So, again, going back to the frustrated, authentic me, you know, I've been a frustrated entertainer, frustrated musician, frustrated comedian, but I haven't made that big leak because there's some old five-year-old scared boy. And I... Like I have great, um, I'm not tone deaf or pitch deaf. Like I know I, I can hit E, um, but I don't, I know I don't have range and, and, and I know it's precisely for all the reasons you've described. So I, I wanted to share this with you because I know I'm not alone and, and I really want to get past whatever. I think it's all tied together. Do you know? Thank you for sharing that, by the way. You know how many times people have told me that they auditioned for the choir in their elementary school or their junior high or their high school, and the choir teacher said, you're tone deaf, or you can't oh. sing, and they, they didn't let them in the choir, and that changed their whole lives because they, yeah. they felt that they didn't have music, and they couldn't sing, and they weren't, they weren't as good as the next person, and, and they didn't learn any instruments after that, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't do much singing at all, and they didn't buy records, and it's just music became a, a, non, a non-existent part of their lives just because some choir teacher said, no, you can't be in the choir. And, and so, and it was, and it's no fault of the choir teachers, actually, because what happens is in the schools, there's all these people that come in, right? And, and the choir mm-hmm. teachers, got all these other classes they're teaching aside from the choir. And so there are only so many hours in the day. And so somebody comes in who doesn't exactly sing on pitch and the choir teacher knows that they're not going to have time to teach them to sing on pitch they can't teach them any technique 
So they just say you can't be in the choir. And then the person thinks, oh, I must be tone deaf. And that changes the rest of their lives. So that didn't happen to you, but you had enough occurrences where one time you still remember you got up to the mic and you didn't know the words and then you didn't do it again. When I, when I used to do that, I'd get up to the mic and I'd make up the words, right? Because I was like, well, I'm already here. Nobody probably knows the lyrics anyways. <laughs> I'll, just, yeah. I'll just make them up, right? And believe me, you're smarter than I am. You could have made them up. But first of all, start to understand that all those things that you said, you're, you know, sort of like a, you didn't go all the way with being a comedian, but you're funny now. So you took all the things that you learned, even going a little bit in that direction, and it became part of your personality. And that's what makes you so funny. You, you became a, an accompaniment musician instead of playing leads. But, but look how great you are at accompanying people on their business journey and, and uh, being a podcast host and really being a coach and an expert who connects with people. And, and, and you're the perfect accompaniment because you create leads. You take you with your accompaniment is creating leaders and leads. So all of the things that you just listed on, on your list of things that you, you think you didn't do, you did. And you're using all of those elements in the person that you are right now, in the skill set that you have right now. So stop looking at those things as I almost did those things. And that makes me an unfulfilled sure musician or comedian and start thinking I did all those things so that my comedy is here and most speakers comedy is here so that my musicianship is here and most most speakers their musicianship is here so as a person I have all of these things right you told me your buddy Gay Hendricks I mean he he basically he told me that his life was about he was never going to just do one thing right that he was just going to do Always do something different and just learn more and do all these things. Well, so there's a benefit to all that. I think that every time I, yeah. I'm a learner, uh, you know, they, the expression that a, that a great teacher learns something from their teachers, but what they really need to know from their students. So I learn every day. I'm so lucky that I get to work with people like, you know, all the top, all the top people, Bradley Cooper. Go and, ahead and, and brag. And Will Ferrell and Steve Carell. And as far as you talk about comedians, I, I taught Will Ferrell and Steve Carell and so many amazing comedians that, that, that do this for a living in there and, and, and find the funny in their voice. And I've taught, taught so many serious actors and so many heads of all different industries, business owners at all levels from billionaires to millionaires to people who are just doing startups and don't have a penny to try to figure out how, how they could use their voice to lead their company. Do you know there was an amazing article in Inc. Magazine, uh, Holmes Report in Inc. Magazine, and they said that the average company of a thousand employees wastes $60 million a year each in poor communication. So the productivity loses $60 million a year in productivity based on poor communication. And those same companies that had 1,000 people, if they had even one leader that was an effective communicator, that was a great speaker, that same company had a, a 25% after five-year increase in revenue. Ridiculous amount of revenue change just from one speaker. So... I mean, you're a, you're a great speaker and, 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 you know, we're here today to try to teach, teach people that they need to start thinking about their voices because leaders of today and tomorrow need to be able to communicate. It isn't just texting it. It isn't to take this note to the king. No, you're the king of your, of your company and you've got to get up on your throne and you've got to move people emotionally to take the action and movement that they need to, to make the company thrive. And, and it's, it's voice more than anything else. The greatest leaders of today and tomorrow are the greatest storytellers. You're a great storyteller. That's what makes you a leader. That's what makes you such an effective coach. That's what makes you so invaluable to all of your clients and the companies that you work for. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I, I still I genuinely... I, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I literally, I, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you not only... One of my programs called The Perfect Voice, which will literally give you exercises to just open up your throat and and control the air. But I'm going to enroll you in my online singing academy 
And I'm going to show you how to go from a background, somebody who thinks they're a background singer to somebody who actually finds a voice that is a lead singer. And I'm going I'm to show you that you can sing a million times better than you ever dreamed that you could sing. I'm, I'm going to take you on as my, as my personal student, and I'm going I'm to give you a singing voice that you never had. And that, in turn, is going to give you a speaking voice that just feels free and effortless, which is the way your mind works. You always know what to say. So, so why are you trying to close it off here or try to block it off here? Might as well just let it out so that people can learn from it. Well, uh, thank you for that, Roger, and I will make you proud. I'm a, I'm a very, uh, I'm alive because I'm a very good uh, patient. So I, I accept your gift, and this is a great time to present a gift for everyone who's been listening because uh, part of my goal in in doing what we did today is I wanted to create more desire and demand. I wanted everyone here to listen and go, oh my God, I wish he was doing that for me. Um, because I, I've always seen you as a, as a bit of a miracle worker and you've got anyone who visits your website will see the incredible people you've worked with. Um, you've got an unbelievable uh, lineup of, of past folks you've worked with. So why don't you talk a little bit about your special gift. We've got a link for everyone who's listening at rogerlove.com slash Mike. And I'm going to share your screen or my screen with everyone so they can actually see your website. But why don't you talk a little bit about what that $50 gift certificate will do? Yeah. You know, I, I know after talking to you that your lis- listeners are, are passionate about how to take their skills and capabilities to the next level. So I want to help them vocally, give them a fast track to seeing and hearing results in their voice and, and how, that, mm-hmm. how that immediately transfers into their lives. So my gift is $50, a $50 certificate that's waiting for you at rogerlove.com forward slash Mike, just like it says there. Woo-hoo, and look at you're going go, to go there and you're going to claim your gift. It's a gift certificate and you can use it to get your hands on whatever online training program that you feel is perfect for you and, and your voice. Maybe you already know you want to work on your speaking voice because you don't like the way it sounds when you listen back. Maybe you know you want to work on your singing voice because I, I've made you understand that anybody could sing. I've taken people that couldn't sing, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket and ha- help them win, win Grammy after Grammy. I've taken people that could barely speak and have them, have them win Academy Awards I've taken people who couldn't communicate to their company other than when the companies, when the company team members thought they were angry. I've taken companies like Zappos and, and Morgan Stanley and all these giant companies that I work with and helped them create a voice for their company that, that is immediately tied to their, to their brand and their values and, and, and deliver that to, to their customers so that in the, in the sounds that people hear, I want to do that for you. So just take your $50. And you can use it for singing or speaking, or you can use it for both and enjoy yourself and know that you're not the voice you were born with, that now's the perfect time to say, what would Roger suggest about my voice? What could I change so that I'd be a better communicator and not just communicator in business so that you can be a great communicator in business and so that you can be a great communicator in your personal life and so that you can be a great communicator who hears the sounds that you make. And it makes you feel good about being you, showcasing the best of who you are. I always talk about that a, that a great speaker, and I believe everyone can be a great speaker, that a great speaker has to be able to do three things. One, control the perception of others. So when you speak, if you don't think people are feeling the best of you or understanding who, who you are at your core and what you truly believe, then there's a problem in your voice. I also think that speakers need to move people emotionally. And if you're speaking and you don't get the sense that you're moving people emotionally, then you're not a good enough speaker and, and you can learn to do that. And the third thing is if you're speaking, you need to know that you can control the outcome of every conversation that you have by moving people emotionally from emotion to emotion. And, and if, you can't, if you can't do those three things, control people's perceptions of you, move people emotionally, and control the outcome of the conversation, then you're not making the most of your voice. And if it's so simple to learn how to do it, and if you can change your voice in hours, why not do it? Let this be that moment that you decide, I've never really liked my voice. 
And no, I don't want to sing, but I know my speaking voice can be better. Or I really hate it when my choir teacher didn't take me or they told me to mouth the words while everyone else was singing. So to get back at them, I'm going to learn how to sing and I'm going to be amazing just for myself and make myself happy. You, my friend, are an excellent pitch man. That was musical. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I'm never and pitching anything. I'm just talking about how I, I truly feel. And, and I hope you didn't hear that as a negative at all. I love everything you said, and it's true. And um, you've got to spend some time on Roger's website, first of all, and it should be in total no-brainer. So first of all, I'm convinced. I'm in. I'm going to uh, get to work right away. And I am going to really meditate. I took a lot of notes this time. And for everyone who's um, listening, watching, there's loads of notes um, both in the outbound message on all the social, in the description copy, uh, with link again back to uh, Roger's special gift. So, Roger, is there anything else you want to uh, say or wrap up with aside from get over there and grab your course right now or a course or all of them? I guess I want to say that now more than ever, people need to find their voices. We've just gone through years of different movements with everybody shouting and we there's so much shouting going on and yet nobody's really listening so we gotta the the leaders the industry leaders have to find a way of cutting through all the shouting all the chaos sounds that are that nobody cares about and finding a voice that's empathetic and so now now more than ever is the time to figure out what how do i use my voice to make things better how do I use my voice to bring us all together in the company and then in the greater part of the world? How can I use my voice to show more caring and more love and more empathy instead of using my voice and being perceived as angry and just shouting at the moon? It's a perfect time in the world. I couldn't agree more. Um, this, is, this is the best time ever to make a difference. And you've got the most important physical tool. It's right here <laughs> built inside. It's I can't imagine living without a voice. It is, it is probably my worst fear, more than losing mobility. And so um, thank you for the gifts today. I was just blown away with, um, first of all, your heart, how you deliver, what you share, how you share it, and who you are. You're a really great man, and I uh, really admire you, Roger. Thank you. Thank you so much, and I, I've enjoyed every moment, and I, I can't wait for us to spend more time together. That, my friend, you got a deal on. So for everyone here, Capability Amplifier, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have, please head on over, give it five stars, lead, leave a review, and share it with someone you know who may have been dealing with some of the same stuff I was that you know they can benefit from going through and learning how to diagnose themselves, how to heal a voice, but also to manage the emotions and manage the physicality, but also use the range of your voice. Don't forget. Thank you, Boo Boo. Thank you, Yogi. I appreciate you very much, Roger. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> you got it. Bye.